The Black and White Network now proudly presents Moms Across America, a new program where women can speak their minds openly and freely without fear of reprisal. Moms Across America is about the issues of the day confronting America from a mom's point of view. And now, here are the moms. Inflation for most people is causing them to use their credit cards to try and make up for income shortfalls. How big is this problem? In the second quarter of 2022, Americans added $46 billion to their credit card balances. Some of that could be you. The Federal Reserve Consumer Credit Report showed that the rate of interest on credit cards went from 14.56 to 16.65%. Those Americans struggling with credit card debt saw their delinquency rates escalate from 1.66% to 1.81%. The Cambridge Debt Consolidation Program may be able to help you reduce the interest rates by two-thirds and cut your time to pay off the debt from 30 years to as little as five years. If you're struggling and you want professional and objective help getting your credit house in order, then call 1-855-435-2066. Moms Across America, I'm Kathleen Fitzgerald with my co-hosts Vicki Tonkins and Samantha Goldberg. We hope everyone is staying healthy out there. This episode, you're not going to want to miss. We have, uh, I'm just so honored to have Dr. Stephen Salloway on the program. He has written a book called Medical Politics, How to Protect Yourself from Bad Doctors, Insurance Companies, and Big Government. I think that's on everybody's mind with what is coming out with the medical establishment today. So we're not going to spend a lot of time with his bio. His link will be on the show here, go to his uh, website and, and check him out. And he does have a book. I want to say right in the beginning, please, here's the website to get his book, a signed copy, badmedicinebook.net, badmedicinebook.net. And with that, Dr. Stephen Salloway, hello and welcome to the show. It's my pleasure to be here. Thank you very much all for having me. So I think across America, I think the foremost, and with 2024 coming up, we know that the healthcare system is going to be on the forefront. And uh, could you please explain to Americans and especially moms uh, what medical politics means and, and why you wrote this book? We now have socialized medicine and people don't see it. And when it comes and takes them by surprise, they're not aware. They don't understand where these changes came from. They don't know why. They're defenseless and their care is getting negligent, sloppy, terrible. Um, I'll start by giving examples. Um, and, and I talk about all this in the book. So here's the story. In today's medicine, you go to the doctor's office and your doctor is usually owned by a facility, whether it's uh, X, Y, or Z, Ivy League, no league, this league, that league, it doesn't matter. Your doctor is generally owned by somebody and has 15 minutes to talk to you, 14 minutes is spent looking at a computer screen. No time is devoted to actually questioning you, listening to your questions, being a detective and getting in there and finding out what on earth is wrong with you and what your symptoms mean. It's simply click the box, and then when you have a question, I'm sorry, your time is up. And you're like, well, wait a minute. What do you mean my time is up? Well, you paid for 15 minutes. I'm sorry. Goodbye. And then you're very frustrated. You get angry. 
And then people like that, they call me or they come here and they say, well, how do I, how do I find somebody who's not like that? Well, the first thing is you have to ask around. You have to talk to your friends and family and see where they're getting better responses and better results. And generally, you're going to find that for self-employed people because they're motivated more to work. If you're working for a um, facility, you have to follow their directions. This is a communist mentality. This is a socialist mentality. You are literally told what to do, how long you can spend with the patient, and you're forced to press certain boxes on a computer, which is not allowing people to think outside the box and diagnose your arthritis or whatever cancer, fever, whatever you may have. People are saying, gee, you have all these things. I typed them all on the computer. Okay, um, come back in three months. We'll, we'll check uh, a Band-Aid or we'll do this or we'll do that. Now, what's worse is if you are sick and you go to the hospital, you would think, well, all right, my doctor will come see me in the hospital. Well, here's a problem. Now that the government has given the hospitals all this money to be able to audit and control a thousand hospitals and not a million doctors, there are now shift workers from nine to five and from five to midnight and from midnight to nine that are working the hospital and these people frequently speak broken English. They come in the room very quickly. They run out of the room very quickly. They're not really interested in who you are. They're interested in putting on band-aids. God forbid that there's a call in the middle of the night, but do not try to discuss anything about your care with these people because they don't know you and they don't have a chance to get to know you. And frankly, they're not interested. Personal experience, I had a talk with a doctor at 4.55 PM on a particular day a few months back. And I said, um, so we need to discuss this case of this patient that you're taking care of in the hospital. At 5.01, this doctor said to me, I'm sorry, I'm on mommy time now. I have to hang up. I said, who's going to speak to me about the patient if you're the one who's been on the case all day? She said, I'm sorry, I have no idea. It's whoever comes on shift after me. Now, that's the medical disaster. How about the nursing disaster? Walk down any hospital and you're going to see the nurses sitting at a computer screen all day long because they're now forced to chart. They're not trained anymore to hold your hand and take your temperature and make sure you have hot tea or your medicine is on time because their butt is on the line if they don't chart correctly. You are criminalized for charting incorrectly. This is a serious problem. This is all about government overreach destroying the healthcare system. And if you ask me, how are you gonna fix this system the only way to fix the system is to get the government out of the system. Now, can everyone have healthcare? Yes. Can we have socialized medicine where it's a one-payer system? No. Okay, why? We can't have a one-payer system because the taxes will be raised astronomically and then there'll be an omnibus bill and they'll stick in 500 other things such as funding a, a new beach in the Caribbean or maybe a Canadian power plant or maybe toilet paper for the local railroad, but it's gonna be nothing that's pertinent to the people that need the money. So one of the things that formally I used to talk about rather than this kind of radical statement against socialized and uh, communist medicine is that prior to all this, 200 million people in this country were on um, private health insurance of some sort. 100 million people were on Medicare, Medicaid of some sort. That's 300 million people out of 330 million people. I will tell you that there are 
um, I believe seven or eight million people that are on Medicare that also get, sorry, it's 14 million people that get Medicare and Veterans Administration Insurance. They don't need two plans because she can only use one. So instead of going to a family doctor, seeing the doctor, getting a prescription, running to the VA and getting it for free, which is really just double dipping, you take those people that have two and now you give it to the 14 million out of 30 million that are uninsured. Now you're left with 5% of the population that does not have health insurance. If we printed $5 trillion during COVID and $4 trillion of it went to supplying, you know, camel food for the local farm market in some other country, then I think we can handle an extra 5% of the population to Medicare, Medicaid. The other thing I want to say is that for those over 65 that are on Medicare, Medicare is, has, it has become a farce because Medicare used to be the system that you could rely on to get done any testing and any medication you needed. However, Medicare has now become an HMO. Your Part B, your supplement, your Aetna, your Blue Cross, your Cigna, your um, Omnicare, whichever one you pick, those plans which act as your secondary dictate 100% of the rules and they are the ones that are denying your MRI, they are denying your treatment because Medicare and the federal government is very good at taking your free speech and handing it to Twitter or YouTube and saying, you guys handle the free speech part. They're also very good at handing over money to these private companies and telling them, you know what? You clamp down on spending money, no matter what you have to do, and we'll close our eyes to everything going on. And that's why when you go and your MRI is denied three times, and you, your doctor doesn't know why, that's why. And if you can't get your medicine, this is not a cost issue. This is a control issue. The drugs that are expensive are expensive when administered in the hospital. They're not expensive when administered in the office. And there's nobody out there advocating to have your medicine given in my office. There are people out there advocating from the government or their proxies to have you go to um, an Ivy League medical center because they're the best. No, they aren't. Because the doctors that have gray hair, like me, those doctors are doing research and writing papers and trying to get grants to support their salary and justify their existence because the other thing that's lacking, when I did two years of medical school in London, 35 years ago, yes, 35 years ago, they, they had patients even back then, we'd stand at the bed and we'd have professors that really cared to share the knowledge. I learned so much. I mean, I was a sponge, but I was a sponge getting soaked in information. Today. You don't have to be certified, qualified, or anything. You have to be breathing and show up at nine and leave at five, and now you're the teacher. With that, ask me anything you want. Well, I think Samantha's got a question for you. 
Oh, am I supposed to go on here and check these questions? No, 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 no you're fine. No, no. it's great to have you on the show. Um, I, you know, I, I, I've made my own observations. You know, I have a lot of family that have been in the medical business for a long time, and we've all communicated about how different the care is from like 20 years ago to now. When you go to a hospital system, you basically have hospitalists, and the hospitalists know absolutely nothing um, about you or about your case. They'll even go behind your doctor's orders and give you things that they think you should have as opposed to your own doctor. So you even have people within the hospital system, whether they're working for the government or themselves, um, that actually go against the policy of uh, working with what the original doctor had prescribed and trying to figure out either a better uh, method or to continue the same method while they look into something else. You know, I've, um, before my doctor retired, because um, I'm originally from Chicago, he explained to me that the insurance companies and the government were holding back on appointments and the only way for them to make more money was to see people every 10 or 15 minutes, um, which really doesn't give a doctor much uh, to do, um, except for to ask a few questions, um, have the nurses come in for testing and then you maybe see them for a second at the end and that's it, that's it. Um, it's gotten to the point now where, you know, due to COVID, um, it's almost as though anyone with a medical license has forgotten how to do their job. Um, you know, everybody's electronic. Hold on, um, let, let, me cut you, let me cut you off for a second. Yeah. Since you hit COVID, first of all, everything you said up until COVID, I completely agree with everything you said, but all you did is state facts. Yeah. Let me tell you something with COVID. When COVID hit, we can argue about the vaccine. We could argue about a lot of things, but let me tell you some facts. When a lot of people got sick, they were allowing medical students to administer care. They were allowing dentists to give vaccines. They were allowing veterinarians to do medical care. So um, they were opening the floodgates for more and more um, what we call physician extenders, whether they're nurse practitioners or physician assistants. And frankly, I have nothing against any of them because I've trained some and they work for me and they're very good. However, this is not an all out war where we're fighting with cannons and we have to take people instead of 18 to 25, we have to take people from 16 to 79, give them a machine gun. This is a situation where the medical system, which in theory is intelligent working and has a million doctors needs to just work like an oiled machine. And you, know, you need the support of the government to provide you the supplies you need. You can't just dump in too many people and crowd up an ICU or a hallway or an emergency room and leave gurneys in the hall and forget about the people that are on the ventilator for seven days and leave the tube in for too long because then it can never come out. And yeah. that, that's what I wanted to throw in there about um, how the, the system failed people with COVID. I mean, again, we can argue about every topic related to it, but from a doctor's standpoint, that's where the system purely failed. And those are facts. That's, that is what happened, you know? Do you feel that that was done on purpose? I don't know. I, I don't think any physician personally ever went into medicine to not follow the Hippocratic Oath or at, at least want to give good care. I think the people that were put into positions of authority or um, helping were in over their head. And I just don't think they were qualified and the ones that were qualified were burned out, exhausted, furious, frustrated, 
Um, and the other thing that's disgusting is not allowing family in and, you know, there was too much unknown and too much speculation, guessing. Um, but to, to mobilize people that are not qualified, and then if those same people are helping a year later to criminalize them, you know, like, how, how would you like it if the medical student is going to your hospital room to administer care, and during that emergency, it's fine. But if he comes to my office and sees a patient without me, now that's, that's a criminal case. So what's the difference? It's the same person. So do yeah. I think it was done on purpose? No, I think it was done by ignorance. I think we need to go for a commercial break. And when we get back, we definitely want to talk about more of the government's policies and, and what's available to our moms across America for them to extend the information. Um, but thank you so much. And we'll be right back, everyone. We are Americans, male and female, from many races and cultures from all over the world. One thing above all else is we are patriots who protect our nation and defend, when necessary, our Constitution from attacks both foreign and domestic. Today, as American patriots, we must take back our country from those who want to destroy it and us. We must start by taking back our children and their education. Parents, not union, should be in charge of our children's education. We must be sure that they are taught about the greatness of America and its people. Our children should not be indoctrinated with the belief that parents are racist and are evil and trying to destroy the world. As patriots, we must take back our country from foreign nations who want to destroy us and our way of life. Yes, as patriots, we want America to be first. We want an open and fair trade policy, energy independence, safe cities, and secure borders where we can grow and prosper as a nation of free people. Become an American patriot. Help take back America by voting Republican. Welcome back to Moms Across America. We are here with Dr. Stephen Soloway, excuse me, and uh, we're very excited. He was telling us some things that at the first half of our show that I hope you all were really taking note. Before we get into this, I want to remind everybody on our show that we are still, uh, you're still able to get your free constitution at ashbrook.org forward slash constitution. With everything that Dr. Soloway is talking about and what we talk about on our show, you need to have your constitution because you need to know what your rights are. So uh, Dr. Soloway, thank you so much for the great information. And also remember, badmedicinebook.net and get your copy signed. of Dr. Soloway's book. And it's a signed copy. Those are valuable. So make sure you get your signed copy. Um, when we left the first half of the show, we had stepped in a little bit with uh, COVID. And I have, I have a doctor friend of mine that I, I ask questions quite often because some of this stuff just makes me angry. Um, I'm going to ask a question. If you don't want to answer, I understand it, but it's just something that's on my mind right now. Sure. You know, with the thing that happened with a young man on the football field that millions of people were watching. Oh, the cardiac arrest. Yes, just terrified at what happened to this young man. I mean, at what, 23 years old. Um, and there was a whole lot of questions about, did he get the shot? Did he get the vaccine? Did this, did this, did this. Okay, I have been reading how 18 to 44 year olds the death rate in that in that age group is off the charts compared to every other age group. And yeah. the only thing that's common with these individuals with the cardiac arrest 
of is vaccine. So what is your take on all this? Where is your stance on all of this in regards to vaccines? I mean, I grew up in an era where vaccines were few. Uh, we had a handful, maybe two handfuls of vaccines in our lifetime when we were children. And now the the number of vaccines they're, they're wanting to give children is scary. So what is your take on some of that? So the vaccines that we had when I was a child, polio, measles, mumps, rubella, um, so on, I did not uh, get a smallpox vaccine, although I think it was given when I was alive. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, the smallpox vaccine was the first vector vaccine. I believe it's 400 years old. Um, all vaccines up until this particular messenger RNA vaccine were vector vaccines. Basically, what I'm saying is that a small dead piece of uh, a virus was exposed to your body and you mounted B cells and T cells and you develop antibodies from the production of uh, mature B cells called plasma cells. The plasma cells make antibodies. That is humoral immunity. And then there's what's called cell-mediated immunity, where the T cell response is what gives you the lifelong immunity. So those are pretty standard um, configurations for the last 100 years. The, uh, the current vaccines for COVID, the messenger RNA vaccines, they, they really are um, uh, DNA, um, sorry, gene therapy. They, they do fall under gene therapy. And, um, you know, I'm not an epidemiologist. I can't officially confirm or deny or know why the death rate in the 18 to 45 year old um, group is up. Um, but sometimes when there's smoke, there's fire. And clearly it needs a lot of investigation. Um, there's no doubt it needs to be investigated. You know, um, I mean, look, the whole thing with COVID, US funded money, Chinese bio lab, disaster in the United States. This is a bioterror attack, whether it was by accident or on purpose, I don't really care. What I care is that our government money was funding a place that they abandoned and didn't want to do in this country because there's too many regulations in this country. So they did it in another country where there's no regulations. And the reason that there's no reported deaths from COVID in North Korea and China is because if they might have it, they kill you or lock you in your apartment and they don't see you again. And that's the end of you. So there's so much information that is nefarious, complicit, horrible, egregious, that I don't know why that man had a cardiac arrest on the field. But is it possible that he's the one professional athlete on the NFL this year that had a vaccine reaction? Absolutely, it's possible. Because, you know, there's not a lot of people dying on the field. There are a lot of people getting hit in the chest. And this one almost died. He had two cardiac arrests, in fact, not one. Yep. Um, and luckily, there were emergency services there to, you know, get him out of this. Now, he'll have a full cardiac evaluation and see if he had some intrinsic problem that was, you know, inborn to him. There are, you know, cases of sudden death with uh, something called the prolonged QT syndrome, and they go into ventricular tachycardia and they just die. But this is rare also. So there are reasons why persons with no vaccine, no nothing, they just die. 
But yes, your question is very valid. And as a non-epidemiologist, I can't give you 100% data on this, but I can agree with you 100% that everything you're saying is very logical and methodical, and it must be explored deeper and deeper. And make no mistake, this is, a gene, this is in the gene therapy um, milieu, not in the vector vaccine milieu. And we don't know a lot about it, it's new. Can you explain a little bit what gene therapy means? Because maybe a lot of our audience, they've heard the term and really don't know how that affects the body and what it means. Um, gene therapy, we, we are composed of a barcode from our mom and from our dad. And there's billions and billions of particles in these barcodes that determine hair color, eye color, skin color, determine... Uh, every single solitary thing about us, how our eyes move, this, that, and the other thing. So um, your barcode is your DNA, your, your genes. And there's um, DNA and there's RNA. The DNA is a double helix. It is uh, like uh, a roller coaster mixed with another roller coaster. So it's a helix, you know, spinning around and turning. And there's another pair that goes with it like that. The RNA would be if you separated them in half and there's one, one, one segment. So the, the DNA is two segments. The RNA is a single segment. And by changing or confusing or um, splicing or introducing a different sequence into RNA or DNA will propagate the immune system to take certain actions or reactions. And that is how the principle, at least, of the gene vaccine, if you want to call it, that's how it works, by trying to go on a molecular level and target the, in the case of COVID, the um, spike antibody. If a person tests positive for the spike antibody, it means they were vaccinated with the vaccine. While if a person tests positive with the nucleocapsid antibody, it means they had the, had the disease and they have natural immunity. That being said, people who have been vaccinated and people who have been sick, I personally know of many who have gotten the disease again, whether it be the mutation Omicron or whether it not be the mutation. Mm -hmm. So you think that, that, I'm sorry, I keep asking questions. I have um, no questions. <laughs> so do you think um, that those who are unvaccinated, uh, their immune system is better than possibly those who were vaccinated and continue to get COVID multiple times? I, I'm just curious. I, I don't think, I do not think that one's immune system is better than another's and if you have a bad immune system, then you have a bona fide condition. Um, and there are many diseases that are based on or formulated because of an immune deficiency. So if a person has an immune deficiency, they will receive a supplement of what they're deficient in. A person who gets a cold more often than another person it's not because they have an immune deficiency. It could be because the hair in their nose is not 
keeping out things from going into the lungs. It could be because they have a mild case of asthma and sputum is sitting in their lungs getting stuck. It could be because where they work or where they drive or where they play, there could be particles in the air, but it's not because of their immune system. It's because of these other factors. However, immune deficient patients with certain immune deficiencies are going to be more susceptible to various pathogens, whether it be viruses, bacteria, fungus, um, parasites. So for each one of those, there's a different section of your immune system that would be handy to have working good, if that is a reasonable layperson answer. That's good. Thank you. Anybody else? <laughs> wow. I'm pretty impressed. <laughs> yeah, I want to yeah. jump in here. Um, uh, moms across America, parents, we have one of uh, America's top doctors. He's a, a rheumatologist. And I um, remind you that his book, badmedicinebook.net, you can get uh, a signed copy. Um, it's called Medical Politics, How to Protect Yourself from Bad Doctors, Insurance Companies, and Big Government. And so I just want to point out that I'm seeing a lot of my clients, as I've been a massage therapist for 33 years, really, that all of a sudden that they, they know them, they trust them. But now they're being sent letters that that system is no longer in place, that now they've got new doctors and they have to go and establish a re relationship with a new doctor and they can't see their old doctor because they're not covered anymore. Can you just elaborate a little bit on what I'm seeing out there in the public with this Medicare, medical, Medic Medicaid um, system with, with these elderly folks? Uh, it's, it, there's quite a few of them that I'm noticing have hap this has happened to. So due to the frustration that doctors have, once they're passing 55 or 60 years old, they're just retiring, they're getting out of medicine. Uh, and they're getting out of medicine because they cannot deal with um, the 17 years in a row that Medicare has reduced the rate for a medical visit. They cannot deal with the fact that there's nonstop audits where you have to hire accountants and compliance officers and attorneys on your staff. Um, this is not what we went to school for. We went to school to learn how to interrogate a patient, find out what's wrong with them, come up with a diagnosis or a differential diagnosis, multiple choices of diagnoses and treat them. Um, we used to have paper notes. Now we have computerized notes. The institution of computerized notes is an effort for the government to audit us while we're sleeping and criminalize us for errors in um, administrative things. Um, nothing to do with the actual medical decision-making However, the doctors don't have time anymore to make this, the medical decision, so they've retired. So now you're left with the, the hospitalist, the shift worker, the urgent care, and everyone's running to these places thinking that all doctors are the same. The problem is, is that no people are the same and no doctors are the same. And the first guy in the class is an MD and the last, last guy in the class or girl in the class is an MD. So you don't know who you're getting. And if you're gonna get somebody today and you can't keep your doctor, basically you're describing people that are being purchased by the hospital as if they are property. They are owned by the mm -hmm. hospital, they're following directions, they're not allowed to think. 
And this is the whole premise of socialized medicine. This is not, uh, and I don't want to confuse socialized medicine with care for all, because this is a totally different topic. So the doctors, and the reason that you can't keep your doctor is because, uh, again, once Obamacare started and all these doctors started to you know, go away, you have all these young people that are coming in and getting nine to five jobs, and they're told, oh, this is good quality of life. But they're employees, they can be hired, they can be fired, they can be transferred, and they are. They're shifted around for the needs of the hospital. They're not shifted around for the needs of the patient. You know, you notice there's a big hospital system and they'll put 10 offices all around the place. Well, what do they do? They rotate the doctors to keep the doctors happy. You're not gonna see the same doctor ever. You can beg and scream and plead. If you wanna see the same doctor, you better find out where the one you like is and you better research this out and you better say, you know, I'll drive that hundred miles if I really wanna see him. Or they'll say to you, you need to wait six months if you want to see him because he's not in this office that month or he's not in that office for three months because we have him go to January that office and February that office and March that office and you don't count. You, and by the way, we have another doctor filling in for that doctor. And how dare you question the fact that Dr. A is not the same as Dr. B. They both are doctors. What are you talking about? But wait, my, my doctor has 30 years of experience and, and he's known me for 10 years. And now you're telling me I can't see him anymore? I didn't tell you that. I said it'll take six months, but I could be dead in six months. <laughs> this, this is a big problem. So no, you know, you need to get yeah. you need to get somebody who's on their own, who cares and who thinks outside the box and who is willing to spend an hour with you if it's necessary. Right. And on the flip side, if they know the doctor well, we'll yes. say, oh, you know, the last visit was really short, but I really didn't have a lot of problems or you know, wow, my doctor's so considerate. He called me and said, my blood is normal. I don't have to come in for the results. That's what you get when you know your doctor. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, you're not going to get that with, a, with Beautiful. Yeah, I find it interesting what you said about not yeah. being able to keep your doctor. And as soon as you hear somebody in the government says, I'm here to help, you know, there's a problem. <laughs> because, you know, one of the first things that was out of the mouths of the government when it came to Obamacare was, oh, don't worry, sweetheart, you get to keep your doctor. And what was the first thing to go? Your doctor. So anytime the government comes in and says they're going to do something, run. <laughs> so, the government cannot the do government. anything as well as the private sector. <laughs> exactly. Ever. In anything. Ever. Ever. <laughs> well, Dr. Soloway, thank you well, Dr. so, so Soloway, thank you so uh, for being with us today. And uh, remember, everybody, go and get your book at badmedicinebook.net and you will get a signed copy. Remember, a signed copy. You want to get that. Um, and so uh, Moms Across America, always, always, always remember you are America. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us today. And we'd like to hear your comments or questions. So go to bwradionetwork.com that's bwradionetwork.com and give us your questions or comments. And thanks for joining us today.